I wonder, I wonder what you would do if you had the power to dream at night any dream you wanted to dream. Welcome to the Victory Formation Podcast. I am your host, Matt Anzio, Ryder Scout Draft Diamonds, and we'll be covering the Missouri Valley Football Conference for the FCS Radio this season, fcsradio.com and local Fox Radio affiliates. Victory Formation Podcast is going to be a weekly podcast to give the spotlight to small school late round and undrafted free agents covering NFL, XFL, CFL, arena, and college football with interviews and segments from players, scouts, coaches, and other football outlets. On this episode, we talk with Jeff Barnes of Cover 2 Draft and Nuts and Bolts Sports about his upcoming draft guide for the 2020 NFL Draft and some of his XFL prospects he's a big fan of. Then we get a chance to catch up with running back from Iowa Wesley in the 2020 Hidden Gem NFL Draft, Jacquez Twister Hall. He's a running back kick return guy. Absolute stud, really fast. I think he's going to have a big year, and I'm excited for the small school guy who's going to be on here talking. After that, we are joined by Kalis Robertson. An XFL invite, draft invite, which is an update as well. Um, He's on for an interview. He's going to tell us a little bit about his journey uh, and what a journey it has been. He's from, uh, like I said, Alabama A&M. He's a tight end, been going at it for a while, played arena. Uh, And then after that, our headliner of the night is Mr. Monty Gaddis. This young man's been going on. He... he, um, came out in 2014 was his draft year and he's had quite a road he's been overseas he won a championship with Poland went on to the International Rugby League even had a look from the Browns shortly before the um, coaching staff was dismissed so I mean all these guys got one thing in common and they are all determined and they have hard work ethic so please excuse me for any dated references as this was supposed to come out a while ago i had some delays that were beyond my control this is a podcast to help sleepers have us have a um a spotlight tell their stories have a place they can come and and get their information out along with other great football minds and it's a place for football views news and interviews Thank you. Hopefully you will be checking out more episodes of the Victory Formation podcast in the future. Enjoy. Okay. Hello, Jeff Barnes. How are you, sir? Hey, how you doing? Welcome to the Victory Formation podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody, this is Jeff Barnes from Cover 2 Draft, and we're going to talk a little bit about the 2020 draft. We're going to talk a little bit about some XFL guys, and uh, we'll get into it. Um, so you got a guide you've been doing every year. Um, 
Why don't you tell us? Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about your guide and um, maybe some of the players that are going to be in there? Um, absolutely. Um, at Cover2Draft.com, we've been trying to put out a quality draft guide every year. Unfortunately, the last couple of years, it just hasn't come out. Um, because there's so much work that only two of us really putting all this work into it. Uh, we've had about between 250 to 350 players in each of the first two guides. Um, and what we've been trying to do is trying to get a good mix of top guys, the top 100 guys, mid, uh, mid-round guys, late-round guys, uh, undrafted free agents. We want to make it where when you when you get our draft guide, you can open it up any round and still see guys coming off the board and be able to read up on them. Um, and the guys that we don't get all of their reports in there, we still get a lot of guys mentioned in there. So if you want to count the guys mentioned in there, you're probably getting about 600, 700 guys in the book overall. Nice. And uh, so what we're trying to do for this year is trying to refine our evaluation process during the season to kind of speed that up. So we have a lot more of those reports done before we even get to the college all-star games and uh, the combine, the, you know, have a lot of these reports settled before we even get to that point. So this way, all we're doing is plugging in data as far as 40 time numbers and workouts and three cones and having to go back if, you know, those numbers don't match as opposed to getting half the book, half those guys evaluated uh, by the time we get to that point and then trying to finish up the extra guys we'd rather just plug in the last few guys we didn't get as opposed to trying to put it all together you know the guys are able to do that in march i i'm i'm proud of them because i i just can't seem to do that so. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of work i mean yes it just is to find the updated rosters and if guys get transferred or whatever mm-hmm. um you know you just look silly sometimes you know <laughs> it's happening oh, where guys had to get pulled because he's like, oh, he's not there, you know, or, or he left early or what, you know, so. Well, yeah, I, I had that happen. I got on a conference call with the um, Ivy League coaches, and I'm asking the Harvard coach uh, about a year ago about Larry Larry Allen Jr. Yeah. And he goes, oh, he left school. And I said, oh, I didn't know that. We crossed him off my <laughs> Yeah, he was good looking too. Yeah, yeah, it was a shame. He's a good kid. Um, I know he was in camp with Dallas before they let him go. I don't know if he got picked up after that, but well, sometimes you know it's too much for them. Uh, not being, you know, getting cut or you know, once they see the NFL, nothing else really looks good. You know, it all depends. Yeah, he kind of got caught in numbers game in Dallas. It was just, um. They needed depth at other positions, and yeah, sometimes had, you're just an odd man out. Yeah, Dallas has had some uh, deep uh, offensive lines, so that's a difficult position to make that team on for sure. So, tell me a little bit about uh, some of these guys in there, uh, some of the smaller school guys. I know you were trying to pull for them uh, that you were looking into. Oh, absolutely. Um, I did mention Kalen Newton from Howard. Yeah. Um, younger brother Cam Newton, um, a shorter quarterback, about five ten and a half, five eleven. Not as big as Cam. Um, very athletic, not a refined passer. Um, and I think that's one of the things we I've seen him over the past two years grow as a passer. Um, 
this program kind of is going through a bit of a flux with changing coaching staff. Uh, they lost a lot of talent that they had when he got there. Um, we, we heard about that big upset over UNLV a couple of years ago. He was the quarterback that, that engineered that win. So um, he has the talent. Um, everybody looking at these shorter quarterbacks, he's um, he's somebody to keep an eye on. Um, I guess also Akevius Williams with Thune Cookman is a, is a taller quarterback, but he's a little wire on the wiry side, not as thick build. It doesn't have the thick build that you like. Um, so a question with him is durability. I saw him uh, last year when I went to Cookman for a game and uh, impressive throwing the football. Can also, once again, get better with his mechanics. But overall, he's a, big, a bigger quarterback that can stand in the pocket. But he's very athletic. If he gets out of the pocket, he's fast enough to go to the distance. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, um, Brian Oka from Furman, big safety. Everybody wants these big safeties that can come up in the box and play like a linebacker with all these nickel sets that everybody's running because of three wide receivers. Here's a guy who I believe that can make that transition to the next level. Once again, you're talking about Furman, so he's not playing against your Ohio State, so in a regular. But yeah. so here's a guy... When you look at the talent that he has, look at the pedigree. If he can continue to develop on the college, on the collegiate level, he's definitely worth a day three look. Um, also, on the defensive side of the ball, uh, Jackson State defensive back Ryan Thayard. It's another six-two defensive back plays corner. I believe he also has the ability to play safety as well. Um, He's a guy that you can you can definitely put him up on the outside against the bigger receivers and let him match up on the outside. Um, There's a lot of defensive backs this year. Yeah, yeah, and you're getting starting to get the big ones out now. Um, yeah, I know everybody's always everybody wants that big six foot uh, corner now, and I don't blame them. On the outside, with all these guys you have now that go up and get the football receivers, you got to have the DB to match it. So. Um, you know, I think, I think going to the days. He's going to be the smaller guy in the future. Yeah. He's going to be the rare one. Like, we need a smaller guy for the slot or something. We can't find that because everybody's going to be 6'1", six, 6'2", six, and above. What it's like. Mm -hmm. some, I like some of these smaller guys, you know. You I do. A guy like Avante Maddox or mm -hmm. that other kid that got, uh, Moreland that got drafted this year. Yeah, Jimmy Moreland was yeah. a good kid. Yeah, I mean, these, these kids, I mean, maybe it's just because they, they just had a play with a disadvantage, uh, being shorter than everybody else the whole time, and it just made them better players. They've had to be able to jump better. Their, their timing is better, and, you know, they just take it serious. You know, Maddox is beating out uh, Sidney Jones in camp, from what I'm hearing. So, mm -hmm. you know, this is what happens. You know, I try to tell guys, you know, of course, you don't want to line them up against the 6'5", the 6'6", six, six guy. You'd rather not do that. But at the same time, with the right technique, they can box them out, you know, keep them out of the play. Absolutely. Zone coverages. The main thing is that they stay in position. They're able to read the routes and um, not get out of position. They're able to turn the hips and, and make the quick turns um, when their cushion breaks down. You know, sometimes it's the smaller guys that do that better than the big ones. Um, the big uh, corner from Houston last year was one of those guys, um, Isaiah Johnson, I think his name was. Um, yeah. One of those big corners that 
I wasn't impressed with his turns. I wasn't impressed with how he transitioned. And when I watched him at the Senior Bowl, I, I thought there was going to be more to his game, and I was not impressed with it. But there were DB coaches that loved him for it. So it, it sometimes you just can't coach six four. I get it, <laughs> but it, it's sometimes if a guy is slow to turn, when you're running that corner post and he turns the wrong way, he's gone. And we found that out with T's Tabor a couple of years ago. You looked at the film in Florida. You had this corner. Everybody says, "Oh yeah, he's great. He's he locked down the side. He does this. He does that." Then he ran at four seven five forty the first time at the combine. I said, "Whoa!" Then he came back at his pro day and ran a four seven six, and everybody said, "Whoa, what's wrong with him?" What's wrong with him was he didn't have the top end speed. He didn't have the recovery speed, and he's showing up the first couple of years in Detroit. He just has not been the guy that everybody thought he was going to be. Yeah. Well, that happened. I mean. You gotta look at all that, you know. That's why you can't just look at the highlight film. You gotta look at several different tapes, and mm-hmm. you know. And, well, I think a lot of times people go a little crazy with the forty times, because you know we see guys with phenomenal short area. I like looking at the ten yard and the twenty yard times. I think they're very telling, and then and then the uh, the short shuttle is always always a good look. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, change of direction is a very, very big skill on defense side of the ball. So, so being down in Florida, there, uh, what are some of the schools that you uh, regularly go out to and scout? Um, last year was my first year down here, so I spent a lot of time at UCF, uh, Bethune Cookman. Um, I did go to USF's pro day this year. Um, okay. One of the pro days I did get a chance to visit. Yeah, they got um, some good people coming out of there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I also made it over to the um, the December All Star Games with the small school guys, the FCS Bowl and the, and the National Bowl. Yeah. Um, got to see a lot of talent guys out there that I didn't get a chance to see during the school year. A lot of so it's it's always great to see those guys in person, see them work in practice uh, with pro coaching. You know, seeing how they take it, seeing how quick they absorb it seeing them go through the one-on-ones that you don't see every day in practice. Um, and what are those guys you think that are uh, doing well in the preseason right now? Um, in the preseason, uh, I'm not getting overly, you know, uh, judgmental after the first game. Um, I, did, I did like some, some of the things I saw from some of the guys. I know um, right now uh, Drew Locke is taking a beating out there in Denver. I don't think he's looking as bad as people are making him out. I think he's looking okay. He's looking like a rookie quarterback to me. That's all it is. And, oh, I, and, and I don't expect rookie quarterbacks to come out and immediately kill it. Sometimes you say the guy's pro-ready because you think he can handle it. And when I, you know, when I heard um, them talking about the struggles he was having, I was kind of taken back um, because you know, one of the things about the, talking about him being pro-ready was with the concepts that they were supposed to be running at Missouri when uh, Derek Dooley took over as the offensive coordinator, was he supposed to be brought a lot of the pro game from when he was a receivers coach at Dallas. And to hear them saying that on the broadcast in reverse, saying that that wasn't the case, kind of threw me for a loop because that was not the impression that I got from Missouri. Um, so, uh, but overall, I think he's going he's gonna to take the sugar on some of these defensive schemes that he's never seen before. I think he's going to have his struggles early, but I think overall he'll be fine. Um, 
I know everybody jumped out of their seats when Daniel Jones went out there his one drive and uh, lit it up. And honestly, there's another guy. Yeah, I I was one of those guys highly critical of him going seventh overall. But I think overall, I think he'll be a solid quarterback in the future. I don't think he's going to be a top-tier starter. But I think he'll be a solid starter for the Giants. I think he's going to have his ups. He's going to have his downs. And he's going to be – He'll be their starter for a while. I don't think, unless uh, it just goes very bad for Gettleman. He kind of reminds me of Nick Foles. Um, I was going to compare him to another Duke quarterback, believe it or not, that played for the Giants and Dave Brown. There you go. You know, that big bodied quarterback that throws hard, not, you know, elite hard. He no. throws hard. Um, and he was a quality starter for the Giants for a while. You know, you know I. <laughs> The game don't seem too big for Daniel Jones, mm-hmm. and that's going to go a long way. We've seen that with you know Trent Dilfer, guys like that. You know, mm-hmm. and they're not the greatest athletes in the world, but they find a way to get it done. They keep their head in the book. They learn, you know, they learn the intricacies of the playbook. I, mm-hmm. I honestly like what Gettleman did. I, I'll probably take some slack from some Eagle fans, but <laughs> you know, there was a lot of guys that uh, you know he really like they really brought in a lot of local guys too you know mm-hmm. guys that i was scouting so it was cool to see that and you know i mean it's been good so far preseason i i mean it's only one week and, and i'm looking forward to seeing week two because it usually gets a little bit better and guys start to get a little more comfortable especially on offense but there was a couple guys that were really really uh impressive for for small school guys right off the bat on week mm-hmm. one. um i had a kid i featured uh spencer schnell Yes, Illinois State. Now, no, nobody featured this kid before. I mean, they didn't even teach him really during. I think mm-hmm. he got up by Chicago. Uh, numbers game, he got let go. Tampa Bay picked him up. He had 119 yards this week. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a running back uh, kid. I know you probably like two out of uh, Tarlington, uh, Xavier Turner. Yes. And, you know, he was the Seahawks leading rusher. I mean, you know, he had like yards or something, but still, he was still the leading rusher in the game. And, I mean, he's just got a great mix of, you know, he, he, he's built perfectly for the position. Mm-hmm. He can get low. He can... And he's got better burst than you would expect for a guy who's, I think, around, what, 230, 240. He looks big, you know. He looks real strong, too, at the moment. Also... You got to take notice of what Wes Hills did this weekend as well. Oh, yeah. Um, Finding the end zone, something that he did a lot of at Slippery Rock. And uh, he did it, of course, in the uh, NFLPA game when he went out there and uh, lit that game up. Got hurt early in the senior bowl. I think otherwise he would have made some some more noise then as well. But Yeah, he's he's just an amazing runner. And it's one of those guys I was, was ashamed that at Delaware, it just didn't work out for him. But he took advantage of the year at Slippery Rock, and and it definitely got him to notice that he deserved. Well, it's not an easy school to come out of. Uh, young man, a wide receiver, I was trying to help out of there. Uh, Carnell Harley, mm-hmm. uh, six foot six. Uh, you know, not a bad looking wide receiver at all. Very, you know, he's got the, a little raw, but in the right situation. But there's so many wide receivers. Yeah. And the poor kid, you know, he forgot his cleats at his pro day. And he had to borrow cleats from somebody. And, and he ran, 
you know, this is what I said with the 40 pound, you know, he ran slower than what they projected because of that. And unfortunately, and they took him off the board. Yeah. He didn't get another chance. He might now with the XFL be able to finally get that other chance and run his real 40 time. But, you know, something like that, that you got to go back and look at the tape, you know, mm-hmm. you tape and see that. All right. He's not ridiculously fast, but he's got enough speed. And then you combine in his, his height. And, and his reach, his extension is, is phenomenal. And, you know, they wanted a huge pass offense, you know. So he was able to do what he does. And that's a lot of times with these small schools we're seeing. It's like, all right, he doesn't have a ton of pass yards, but either does anybody else on the team. Yeah. <laughs> and so you got to look at him in these all-star situations. Or, you know, that's why I love, you know, stuff like you said, the FCS. And stuff like the College Gridiron Showcase. Mm-hmm. These are chances to see guys next to other guys that are going to be pros instead of next to other guys that are, you know, not going to be playing football right now. Absolutely. You know, there were so many guys. Um, I'm anxious to see. I, I didn't see um, him in a preseason. I don't know if he made the final cut in New Orleans. And, um, as a D3 player, we talked about him last year. Um, Nick Giorgio came out of Springfield College. Oh, yeah. I, I know he had to work out with the Saints after the draft, and um, yeah, I know he's he was at their rookie camp. Yeah. yeah. And that's a kid that I liked uh, a lot. Um, like I said, is a guy um, definitely he was well decorated at Springfield D3 school. Not going to get a lot of attention. Um, and when I got his film, I was blown away. He was offensive I, line. Yeah. Uh, DN. DN, edge rusher. Yeah. DN, I, I think he's more of a 3-4 outside backer because he just doesn't have the girth to be a four, uh, every down hand in a dirt player. Well, what's his height but again? I think he's six foot two fifty. Okay. Um, All right, he's right in the size that they're kind of discriminating against right now. Yeah, he's that tweener size that yeah. they, they talk about. But if you watch him on film, he's a guy that never dropped in the coverage. He always played down with his hand in the dirt. And he came off that edge with a fury. And I think one of the plays that really blew me away with his athleticism was on a, a field goal or an extra point where the kick gets blocked. And he runs 90 yards down the field to block the kicker. There you go. So his, uh, so his uh, teammate can score. I saw. I showed that. I had. I sat there. I sat there with a New York Giants scout, and uh, had to show him that highlight because I was <laughs> truly blown away with his film. So it was one of those things where I said, "You're going to look at this. This kid. I, I don't talk about a lot of D3 guys unless I'm sold on him. I got sold on him after a couple of games. Well, there's a lot of linebackers left. It's crazy. I mean, if I think about linebackers that. Had good careers, even did really well. All right, Matt, I'm in. All right, we're back up in there. So we were talking about the XFL a little bit. Um, You were talking about uh, Nick Giorgio, I believe? Yes. um, Giorgio was one of those guys, like I said, um, he has that tweener size. But um, if you can work with him in coverage, I think he's a 3-4 outside backer. I think he's a guy that you put at the weak side, let him rush most of the time, teach him how to work in coverage. 
Um, he's athletic enough. Um, he's one. He's, he's just when you look at the athleticism, you look at the ability to turn the corner on the edge. Is something that you you have to put out there. And I don't think you want him with his hand in the dirt getting fighting off run block. It's a three hundred pound tackle. Let him work against tight ends. Um, you know, although you don't, you're not going to see too many traditional tight ends these days with a lot of the spread tight ends coming out. But I think that works best for him. Yeah, he's an athletic guy. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember seeing his pro day numbers or combine numbers or something. He was. He sent them to me. I remember they, they were good numbers. Um, yeah, he had, a, he had a pretty good uh, he had a pretty good pro day, and I, I think that's one of the reasons why the Saints really looked at him. I know they were there, um, and like I said, I, I spoke to a giant scout about him. I, I was highly impressed with him. Um, I have a couple of connections to the Springfield program, so when they when they brought me that tape, that, usually they bring me tape, and I go, okay, it's not a bad kid. I just don't see it. This kid won me over from the first game. I watched on him. Well, that's kind of like uh, the young man from Wingate, uh, Cardell Rawlings. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how he didn't get picked up by the NFL at all. Um, another kid uh, that I've been pushing for a while now, really love him. I mean, he's shown up and everything he's done uh, is Brenton Allen from Pace University. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, a six-foot guy, you know, sometimes they're looking for, for a little bit taller, but He's just so productive. Um, he's always in there. Uh, I believe he was at the HBSU game, was it? Yeah. Um, the Spirit of America game he was at. Yeah. That's the one that's on Saturday. He had like eight mm-hmm. tackles, two tackles for a loss. You know, he did really well. If it wasn't for uh, the, actually his teammate, uh, Prince uh, Anub- Anubu. <laughs> I can never say his name right. Mm-hmm. From, uh, you know, he wound up with the 49ers, and now he's a free agent, I believe. If it wasn't for him, who had a even, I think he had like four sacks or something. So, I think Brandon Allen would have been the you know defensive player of the game. You well, know, Pace put out a couple of good guys last year, and um, I'm I, they had a corner. I'm trying to remember his name that I saw him no. at the um, yes. At the FCS Bowl, he was actually very impressive. Um, not a big guy like we talked about. He's, he's another corner. You look at he's about 5'10", 5'10 But he's physical. He plays uh, with a confidence. Um, not overly fast. So he's one of those guys with solid speed, not great speed. But uh, you put him out there and he plays football. Some guys are just football players. And the measurables aren't going to wow you, but when you put on the film, he's a solid football player. And when I watched him out there that day, he stood out to me because he had that ability to go out there and line up against anybody and compete on every snap. And that's something you want out of a defensive back. Well, the good thing about the FCS game is the announcer. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if he thinks I was making fun of him. I wasn't, but <laughs> I just love the way he does it. He sounds like a, like, like a a ring announcer almost <laughs> and I heard Drew Roach's name so many times mm-hmm. you know watching that because I, I mean I'll watch it several times go through it because I'm looking at you know different guys so you know how it is you got to go back through it a lot of times mm-hmm. a couple kids uh, uh, on offense uh, quarterback uh, Vinny Espinosa yes uh, out of Lincoln Pennsylvania 
Mm-hmm. A young man, 6'3", uh, I think he's about 215 pounds, very athletic, uh, kind of reminds me of Kaepernick a little bit in his playing style. Um, you know, he's got good strength and all, but he, he's really elusive. I was surprised he didn't get a look. There's, there's a couple. I mean, we've seen these small school guys doing really well in the mm-hmm. preseason as well. I mean, you look at a guy like Delvin Hodges. Yes. That we were talking about on Bill's show, you know, and he comes out and has a terrific game. And then, you know, I thought Easton Stick did pretty well. He did throw a pick. That's going to happen, you know, but then mm-hmm. he did run for like 50 yards and a touchdown as well. Mm-hmm. So these small school quarterbacks are, have been pretty impressive so far in the preseason. And if they don't make the teams, I think the XFL should be interested in these guys. Well, absolutely. And I think we need, if they're going to make the the one mistake, I think that the, the AAF made, and I hope the XFL doesn't follow that suit, was that they were looking for so many of the castoffs from the NFL. Instead of looking for guys who were younger guys that needed the development to play football and I, I get the fact that Demontre Moore is getting another shot at the NFL because of the AAF but there are so many guys that got overlooked that came out of college within the last two years who were solid football players not everybody wants to run across, uh, north of the border to Canada to play football and some guys want to stay local so you know I mean we're talking about that FCS game in Espinosa, who led that game-winning drive. There were two guys putting heat on him that aren't get are anywhere nowhere near NFL training camps. Uh, Caleb Wells, who actually played for Grambling, yes, um, um, is a guy where you look at his frame, you go, "Wow, this is a big six-foot-six guy," um, but he's so rail thin. And you don't see a lot of production from him on his film. But when you watch him rush the pass, you go, he's raw talent. If you get somebody to get him in a in a, in a training NFL training program for a year and work with coaches, he's going to give you results because he's a kid that wants it. And I just think that he just, he doesn't have the opportunity he needs. On the other side of him, there's another kid. Yes, he was one of the defensive ends. Um, but, um, also, you had Chase Demore, who was opposite him. And as a kid that I remember from before, um, Chase Demore was from Central Washington. And there's another kid who, when you watch him, six foot four, comes off the edge hard, um, plays the run very well, setting the edge against the zone read, against that, uh, and he did a great job out there. Um, I think the one time they made a mistake was, you uh, know, it was uh, actually it was Caleb's teammate, uh, Brandon Varner, that lost his contain and Espinosa broke outside for that big run on that final drive. But um, and Brandon Varner is another one who I thought should at least gotten a shot as a three, four outside linebacker somewhere. Instead, he's actually a grad assistant back at Grambling. So um, he's a guy. There's so many guys. When you look at um, that game, you would look at the season. Um, there were so many guys that just didn't get a chance. Um, it, well, I'm looking at uh, the interior. I got a lot of guys in the interior. That guy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I was able to get them spring league invites, and hopefully they'll get invites. A couple of them already did, got invites to the mm-hmm. draft um, that got completely overlooked by the NFL. And 
if 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 the XFL guys had a chance to pick him up, is definitely a guy that deserves it. Yeah, um, bags. There's just so many of them. Yeah, um, Ryan False. I am shocked that he is in oblivion somewhere. Um, I didn't hear anything about anybody reaching out to him after the draft, and well, I don't understand why. Oh, they did pick him up. Okay, but he's not on the team. Yeah, I think he just came in for the rookie mini camp. Yeah, and then they probably let him walk. Um, yeah, they and have he's, too many he, running backs. So. Yeah, he's just too talented a player not to be somewhere. Um, same thing with uh, Markel Cartwright from North Carolina A and T. Now he is a guy that could be that guy that pounds the ball inside the tackles for you, gets you those hard yards on, uh, especially in short yardage situations. Um, and of course, if you're going to talk about North Carolina a and I can't not talk about their former quarterback, Lamar Reynard. I mean, he's a big quarterback that could throw the ball all over the field. Um, durability is an issue for him, but there's a guy that, once again, should have ended up somewhere. If <laughs> if Kyle Shermer ended up in NFL camp, he should have ended up in a camp somewhere. Yeah. Well, I liked Kyle Shermer out of Vanderbilt. Um, but I know what you're saying. I mean, mm-hmm. production-wise, it's really not that big of a difference. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just maybe the name, even. Oh, it was definitely the name in, in Sherman's case. Yeah. It always helps to have a dad in the league. Yeah. Uh, same thing. Same thing when uh, he's not the offensive coordinator in Dallas anymore. But um, Linehan, yeah, my uh, had it. Yeah, when his son was in college coming out, he actually got a chance because it's always good to have a, a father around. That's right. The league, so. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, like you're saying, <clears throat> bigger running backs, uh, there was quite a few. <clears throat> I had a guy uh, out of East Stroudsburg. Yes. Jamar Anderson. Jim, oh, I love Jamar Anderson. Yeah, I, I, I saw his that. film and I had no choice but to call his coach and try and get it. So. Yeah, I thought he would wind up maybe with the Giants or something. He seemed like that type of back. You know, he seemed like somebody like maybe Gettleman would be into. And then there was a young man, uh, Mo Harris out of Castleton, mm-hmm. that I had covered. He, he got a look at he got a look with the CFL, but I'm not sure if that materialized into anything. It's tough that the CFL can only take so many Americans and whatnot. So, mm-hmm. you know, as far as big backs, there's a lot of good big backs, and there's a lot of good smaller backs too, uh, scat type backs, guys that can return punts or line them up in the slot. Uh, you know, you look at a guy like Aaron Gooch. Um, he was also out of Eastern Illinois. You look at a guy like Bryson Allen out of Delaware State. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he reminds me of Darren Sproul so much that <laughs> I mean, he's a little bit lighter, but. He's got he's got similar traits. He can move around. Very elusive, uh, phenomenal return game. He's, he can add a lot in the passing game. And you know, these are guys I think. You know, I've been pushing them to the XFL. Definitely all names that I have sent their way, and a lot of them have gotten either spring league invites. And I was told that you know a few hundred out of the however many hundred that were there are, are going to get uh, drafted that went to the spring league. So. You know, that, that's hopeful. But we don't know because after uh, the cuts come from preseason, you know. They're going to go after those guys hard. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be tough. Yeah. And, and, and you'll have some guys that are big school guys that didn't really have the um, 
film just or performance in the preseason to stick around. Uh, Jawan Bushel Beatty from Michigan. You look at him; he has that tackle body. If you watched him, I saw him uh, not only uh, at Michigan, but I saw him when he came down for the Shrine game last year. I saw his week of practice, and I could say, yeah, this guy's a guard. He's not a tackle because he struggled on the edge, but he has that tackle build. Um, I know Dallas has him in camp now, but he's not going to make it past the final cut. Um, so he's probably going to end up in the XFL. Is what will happen is he'll be one of those guys that you say, well, you were a Michigan guy. They're going to pull him over. Yeah. Well, I mean, the XFL actually, for once, which is weird, because normally tackle's a tough thing. But this mm-hmm. is actually some depth at offensive tackle. Mm-hmm. Where there's going to be some guys that get cut that would normally be starters in the NFL. Or, well, not starters, mm-hmm. but at least, uh, you know, backups or, or at the very least practice squad guys. So, you know, the XFL is definitely getting NFL quality players. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to give you a chance to uh, <clears throat> plug whatever you want to plug. And, uh, you know, you're always welcome to come on anytime you want, of course. We're just getting started here. We're going to have a lot of cool things, a lot of cool interviews and stuff. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's awesome talking to you. So if you want to plug uh, any of your social media or anything you like, go for it. No, by all means, uh, once again, thanks for having me on. Um, if anybody just interested in following my work, uh, it's, of course, cover2draft.com is the main site. Um, you'll see everything on there, especially as we start getting closer and closer to the college season. More and more of our watch list comes out. Um, we always have players of the week from every level. Um, after all the college games start up from week one all the way to up to the bowl games. Um, so we're trying to make sure to get as many of the guys out there um, on Twitter. You can follow us at Cover2Draft. Also, uh, my Twitter handle, Jeff Bar- at JeffBarnes29. Um, and also, you can follow some of my work as well for NutsAndBoltSports.com. Okay. And when does your guy come out? Um, hopefully, <laughs> we'll get this one out by April 1st, 2020. There you go. That's the plan. That's the plan. I'm trying, and I'm sticking to it this year. <laughs> All right. Well, you'll definitely be on again, man. And, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll have plenty of guys to cover, that's for sure. Oh, absolutely. shortage there. Um, but I appreciate you coming on, man. It's been, it's been nice talking to you, Jeff. I appreciate it. Thanks again for having me. Look forward to talking to you again in the future. All right. Thanks for being on the Victory Formation Podcast. Hello. Hello. Jacquez Twister Hall? Yes, sir. What's going on? And welcome to the Victory Formation Podcast. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you, thank you. Where'd you grow up, brother? In Iowa? No, sir. I grew up in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. Oh, uh, Mission, Tennessee? Memphis, Tennessee. Oh, Memphis, Tennessee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, Mission, Texas. So what was that like growing up in Memphis, Tennessee, man? Um, it was... It was good, honestly. I had a, it was, it was real good. You know, it's a lot of little different stuff around me to do. You know, you know, just uh. <laughs> Would you get into football there? Uh, yes, sir. I started at uh, Raleigh Middle School in the sixth grade, about like 2011, maybe. 
And what positions did you start out at? Um, I actually started at um, uh, cornerback and safety. I played DB. And for those that don't know, this is Jacquez Twister Hall. He's from Iowa Wesley Lynn. He's a 2020 Hidden Gems NFL Draft Diamonds. I should have done that before. But <laughs> I get that on there. Running back slot, kick return is big for you. So yes, what some of your players, what are some of your favorite players you watch and you study growing up and um, some of you guys now you watch? Um, Honestly, my... My, I keep my eye on uh, Tariq Ohan because I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm somewhat like him with the size, you know, the height and all that type of stuff. And, you know, it just it keep me going to you know see him in NFL, you know, doing what I, you know, what I know I can do. And so you know, a yeah. lot of people always say, you know, you're too small, you know, you're not big enough, all that type of stuff. And you know, that really doesn't matter to me anymore because I've gotten over the fact, you know. But uh, people like him, you know, Darren Sproles, you know, give me a, uh, it give me a good push to keep on, you know, keep on going and follow my dreams. Well, I love those type of guys. I think every team needs a couple of those guys, especially on return, uh, special teams, uh, just to have a change of pace type of running back in, in uh, I think, are great in the receiving game. And, you know, I definitely see some of that in your game. And that's something that draws me to you. Uh, as a player, you know, and why I picked you for the Hidden Gem series. Thank you. Um, so, I mean, what what got you when, out of high school, coming out of Memphis, Tennessee? Was there any uh, Tennessee teams interested in you, or how'd um, you wind up in Iowa? Actually, there was no Tennessee teams interested in me. Honestly, I had no. uh, I had one D two school that was interested in me, but things didn't go well with that. I had a handful of D3s and some JUCOs from um, Cali and Minnesota, but things didn't go well with that due to distance type. I couldn't get to them, you know. Um, I was actually on NCSASports.org. Shout out to them because they actually got me out. Um, They had, you know, going through the process, contacting different coaches and different schools and all that. And it was actually late, honestly. I say about late June, early July when um, Coach Lukens actually got with me. And I looked at it, looked into it, second-guessed it for a second, and then I finally stood up, you know, put my foot down and actually started talking to him. And it's been it's been great since, honestly. And, and where did he know you from? He uh, actually recruited me from the website, ncsasports.org. Okay. So that's how you got to uh, – and how do you like your – how was the culture change, I guess, would you say, in Iowa in comparison to uh, Memphis, Tennessee? It is so much different. It's way different. You know? <laughs> Memphis is a, is a wide – it's a little big city. And where I'm at right now, um, where my school is at, it's a small town. So, you know, not seeing a lot of people, seeing the same faces almost every time I step outside or in place, like with my campus. Uh, so oh, yeah, it's, it's small. It's, yeah, yes, sir. It's real small up there. And, um, I mean, it's different. They do a lot of things. The uh, hospitality is different. You know, everybody speaks different. You know, talk different, walk different, act different. So it's, it's <laughs> just a, it was just a big change. Yeah, but good wholesome people, you know. Yes, sir. Bible Belt. You got. <laughs> but what are some of the positions you played in the uh, Iowa Wesley Land? Um, I've only played. 
running back in uh like return man no special teams and you know they throw me they throw me a slide here and there you know hey move you in the slot and whatnot yes sir you feel really good receiving uh the ball <laughs> i do honestly but i like running it better yeah well i mean they're gonna use you a lot in that you know if you go to the pros that's something they like to you know line them up and create mismatches with guys like that Yes, sir. Uh, what are some of your best attributes you think you bring to a team? Um, honestly, my the hype. They call me the hype man. Honestly, I'm like the hype man of the team. You know, I bring a lot of smiles, keep everybody up. Uh, it's it's just a lot. I'm a I'm a whole character in one. I do a lot. <laughs> what what some of your favorite things about your current system? Um. I honestly like a lot about it, honestly. Uh, what we do and how we run it. I like, you know, we run up the middle a lot. I like that. Uh, they just, you know, the rotation, everything, the backs that I have with me, honestly, it, it's, it's all good. Yeah. How about the uh, some of the other players? Is there a lot of juniors and seniors coming back or um, uh, a lot of young guys? Yes, sir. It is actually a lot coming back. We got like more than 40 people coming back that's going to um, be juniors. We got a handful of seniors that's coming back. And how was your year last year? Can you say it again? I said, how was your year last year? Um, It was good, honestly. It wasn't the best overall, but um, it was still good. The outcome was still good. How do you think you guys are going to improve upon that this year? Um, Honestly, we have been working a lot. Um, this past spring and we've been working hard putting in a lot of time for you know studying the playbook getting out there on the field so yeah. I think I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be real good honey. and how are you preparing yourself I'm in a weight room every day at the field every day in my playbook every day so you said you were a big fan of uh, Tariq Cohen right whether uh, do you study him on film or what are some of the things you really like about him that he's actually fast like he's a small guy but he's big at the same time like in his speed is just tremendous like i don't i don't study his film but like when i when i uh watch his game you know i just see the things that he does you know and like see how he see things but you know i really can't see exactly what he see but like i, I picture like how he see things and how he get around things you know and I'm, i make sure you know that i can you know get out there and do what he exactly like what he does you know yeah try to be a step ahead of the game yes sir so after the season is done uh, would you be interested in doing something like the college gridiron showcase there in texas or any other all-star games i would love that honestly well i'm putting that out there in case anybody be listening i got a couple guys i know that help put it together <laughs> so you know i just put it out there <laughs> But, you know, if you're going, let's say, you know, if you're going to an NFL team and an NFL team's listening right now, what are they getting in Jacquez tw- Twister Hall? <laughs> Man, I get that freaking tongue tied. <laughs> That's cool. Jacquez Twister Hall. Nah, that, <laughs> I got you. Well, uh, 100%, 125%, 200%, they're going to get my all. I'm going all out. I'm going to put it all on the line. That's a beautiful thing. 
That's a beautiful thing. And you said you're a leader in the locker room. Were you uh, were you a team captain or anything of that nature? Um, we actually did like we don't have like team captains honestly because we feel like everybody you know can you know take over and lead the team as you know as one. So, but like I'm one of the guys that you know that uh, people come to you know just you know whatever. Yeah, like all the young guys, even the older guys, you know, they need help, you know, anything, whatever. So we all lead each other, you know, just all come in as one. That's awesome, man. So I guess, man, if you have any social media you want to plug, I'll let you. (laughs) Yes, sir. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at underscore Jaquez Hall. That's underscore J A C Q U E Z H A L L. My Instagram is the same thing, and if you want to follow me on Facebook, it's just my name, Jaquez Hall. Well, I appreciate appreciate you coming on the Victory Formation podcast, man. Hey, I appreciate you having me. All right, you have a good night. All right, two blessings. You too. Have a good one. Hello? What's going on? I'd like to welcome to the show Kalias. I'm sorry. Kalis Robertson from Alabama AM. What's going on tonight, man? Oh, not much, man. Just blessed, man. Just blessed to be alive. Yeah, man. I seen you uh got some decent news today. Uh you heard you got invited to camp in uh, July. Yeah, man. I just been waiting, grinding, man. Just waiting, patiently grinding. I got an opportunity to make something happen. So, yeah, I'm going to go to the one in July. So I'm just waiting on them to let me know the location and stuff. I'm preparing my payments and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm excited. Awesome, man. Yeah, I just, you know, I've known you for a little bit now. We got to know each other a little bit during last year's draft. And, uh, you know, I followed you, man. You're a hard worker. And, you know, I just wanted to ask you a little bit about your journey i mean when did you first fall in love with football you know about what age or kid or man first time i started just really enjoying football i played as a in middle school in middle school i had a couple coaches man and i didn't really play a lot because i don't know why but they just didn't let me play and i asked them it's like, man, it's just that you're not as talented as the other kids. So me, me, I had this drive as a little, I was gonna prove people that I could do stuff that I wanted to do. So as an eighth grader, I was going up to the, every day I would go to the um, high school that was close to us and I would go work out with the high schoolers and stuff like that. Yeah. And got, got a relationship with the high school coach that was there and he was like, man, you really, do this every day, man. You come, you don't be late, you be on time. And I see the drive, man. You keep doing this, man, you're gonna be great. So I kept doing that, man. I started developing, started getting taller, started getting a little more weight. And from then on, I started playing. And some during the summertime, I really had a grind. I also did track to help me out with my speed, to help me because it trans over. So Counts. I'll go to. I'll be going to counts. We'll do seven on sevens, and I would get an interest. And my first interest ever was Mississippi State. So I did that, and they was really on to me and stuff like that. They was like, "Man, you got potential to do good, man. We can see it in you." 
So from then on, I just enjoyed football so much and I fell in love with it. I love working out and I love the grind. The grind, I love seeing my results. That's one thing about me, I love seeing the results. Uh, you've had some good results over the last year, man. I've seen you grow. Watch yeah. your arms explode over the last year, man. Just working and just in general, your physique, you definitely put in the work, man. And that's what I was going to ask you about next, man. Out of high school, uh, you know, were you heavily recruited? Or, you know, why did, why did you choose Alabama A&M? And tell me a little bit why that, you know, about that school and how that went. I had, I had some good D1 schools come after me, but some often walk on because my school wasn't winning like that and stuff like that, but we was doing, we did okay. So, but I have different schools like Mississippi State, South Alabama, Troy, Tulane, all the flat schools, a couple of FCS schools, stuff like that. But I chose a and because I just felt like, I just felt like I have a better standout there as I could, as I can, um, as I developed myself. So as I got to a and I just kept grinding, stayed on the same thing, same path. I was kind of, I was kind of, he really hurting me, but it actually helped me to develop, to understand the college level more because it was a little faster than high school. So I kept going, I kept going. I played my red shirt freshman year and I had a great year off my red shirt freshman year. And I just kept going after that. And then I was just pushing, man. I had a couple of my coaches saying, man, you can really, you can really go to the next level with this if you keep going, man. Just keep believing in yourself and stay in the classroom and stuff like that. So I just took that and I just kept running with it. Yeah, I mean, when you were coming out of Alabama A&M last year, you were rated by college football, a top 10 tight end coming out, man. And, you know, I did a report on you for Draft Diamonds. I mentioned you were a terrific blocker, really quick for your size, um, you know, good at catching the ball good on special teams that you not only strive that special teams, but you really enjoy special teams. It's something you take pride in, you know, and something that I really think could help you in the XFL level, because they're going to be looking for guys that can do a lot of different stuff and they're going to need guys that can play. So I think that work. And, you know, I know last year you were catching some interest. Uh, you had a couple CFL teams looking at you. Um, Saskatchewan being one, uh, forget who you said, you had somebody else looking somebody at you too. Up. Yeah. And eventually you wound up, uh, you were supposed to be with the AAF, with the uh, Birmingham Iron, and you went to what, two tryouts there? Yeah, I had, I had with AFF Iron, I had two tryouts with AFF Iron and one from Atlanta, but AFF Iron was planning on signing because they brought me in they told me, look, we want you to come do this private workout, man, and we're going to see about signing if you do good. So I went up there, and I knew I had my mind focused on just doing great. Don't Not much pressure because it's something I already know how to do. So I ran routes, the offensive coordinator, the GM, the head coach, the tight end coach was all there, and I, they said I did very well, and they was planning on signing me, and a couple of days later, they ever the AFL had folded and it just it's like oh man like I was just thinking that go my shot man yeah that must have been rough on you man what was that like and how did that drive you to keep going man I can't lie it 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 really I I was really hurt by it because I feel like this is my own opportunity to get where I want to go start on this start my new journey 
after college football. So, but I got a couple family members. They kept me going. My mom, my auntie, my grandma, they just kept going and praying for me and stuff like that. So I just kept pushing and pushing. And later on, I um went to New York to play. After I graduated this year, I went to New York to play a little bit of arena ball with New York Streets just to get a little more experience with the pro yeah. level. Yeah, yeah, I know. I was going to ask you about that. Uh, you know, how was that experience, you know, coming to New York? That must have been different for you. Yeah, man, New York's very different, man. It's a big city and stuff like that, so I had to adapt. And with the arena ball, they doesn't they don't use many tight ends or fullbacks for us, so it was kind of different. I had to make sure. I mean, I played wide receiver, but it was just kind of different for me because I don't put my hand in the ground on being at backfield, stuff like that. But it helped me grow more as just learning learning the aspects of football. So I just kept with that. I stayed strong. And now I'm training for the XFL, trying to make sure I get in that because I know that's, this is going to be a big opportunity for me. Man, you work out a lot. How, how many days a week you work out? Man, I'm not going to lie. I try to go every day. I try to go every day, but I know I need my rest. So Yeah, you need one day. Monday. Yeah, I'm usually Mondays, Tuesdays. Thursdays, Fridays, my main days, and Wednesdays, Monday and Wednesdays, I do yoga. So I try to make sure I stay flexible and stuff like that. Yeah, I love yoga. Yeah, it's really hard. Very important, the breathing, to just getting your mind right, just just clearing your head. Yep. You know, I tell guys all the time, man, do some yoga. <laughs> but yeah, I was gonna, let me see here what I got. So. Yeah, what, what do you think you learned from the whole arena experience? Do you think it helped you? Were you practicing on the other side of the ball at all? I know you did a bunch of special teams. Um, It, it really did help me because it, it helped me stay in shape more because arena, you run a lot because it's indoor. So you most of the time, you just run and run and plays. So I, yeah. I, was just, I ran different routes and stuff like that, not with the average tight ends run. You know, they usually run like the little flat routes probably a couple of seam routes and out routes and stuff like that. So it just kept me going, helped me get my, getting faster and stuff like that. So it really helped me out a lot. So I wasn't that I wasn't that off, but it really helped my game more and helped me learn more knowledge with it. Well, that's awesome, man. You know, I, I had you featured in my XFL Diamonds on Draft Diamonds. People could check that out. And, you know, you're going to be at the showcase. And basically... I guess I'd want to give you a chance to, if the XFL was listening to this interview, what would you want them to tell you, tell them about yourself? Why would you be good for their uh, organization? Um, with the XFL, man, I can tell the XFL that I'm bringing, that if they bring me in, I'm a hard worker. That's the first thing I am. I'm a hard worker and a decent young man. And I work so hard because I just feel like that people who work hard, their success always pays off. So I just try to keep going and keep going. And one thing about me, wherever I play on the field, I'ma make sure I bring I'ma make sure I bring success behind it. So with that being said, like I I love special teams. Special teams never been an issue with me. Like you ask my coaches, they say I go all out. Every time I touch the field I make sure I go all out. I don't try to have stuff because I know it's important because some some people don't get that chance to get on the field like that, get that much playing time and stuff like that. So I try to stay, make sure every time I touch the field that I do my job. And that's one thing I want the SFL to understand that. 
I'm a no, I, know, I know it's true. I know it's true. I could vouch for it. I've never seen many people work as hard as you. I got a few guys here that are like you, and and you know, I'm going to be interviewing them guys too <laughs> in upcoming shows on the Victory Formation. But man, it's been great having you. Uh, you know, this will be out soon, and hopefully everybody hear your story. And good luck with the XFL. Yes, and sir. Thanks for Man. Thank you, man. Thank you, man. You have a good night. Uh, you too. All right, everybody. That was Glyce Robertson. Hello, yeah, I'd like to welcome to the Victory Formation Podcast, Monty Gaddis. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? Hey, not doing bad at all, man. Just trying to get this little podcast off the ground. Yeah, I see you got things. I see you got things going on. I just want to say, you know, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the exposure. Let's get things on the ball. Yeah, man. Well, you got a very interesting story. Uh, I featured you in my XFL Diamonds for NFL. Uh, draftdiamonds.com you can find it on there google it um i have five volumes now of it uh some guys from the 2019 draft you know uh, some guys from um you know the last draft and we got guys from before that arena guys and everything else so your story is particularly interesting when, when did you first uh fall in love with the game of football uh, that was at the age of uh, 10 years old. You know, I was just playing football down the street from my house, and all the guys kept telling me, hey, you need to uh, join George Murrow All-Stars. It's a mini league team here in Cleveland, Ohio. And I actually I snuck to practices for like two weeks and just kept going. I didn't let my parents know until they found out. And, you know, ever since they let me go and let me play the game, you know, I've just been in love with it, you know. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. And you just kept going. And... You know, what, what was it like? I mean, you know, coming out of, when you came out of draft, what, what year was your draft? Uh, 2014 was, was my draft. 2014, so you've been going at it for a while. And what year did you go to Poland after that? Uh, 2015, you know, that whole year of the draft, I didn't get picked up, but I stayed in shape. You know, similar to what's going on now, you know, stayed in shape the whole year, then bang, I got my opportunity, and I was ready for that. And Poland was a great experience for me. Well, that's what I was going to ask you about. How, how was it over there? The uh, I know it's a lot different than over here. I've been in Europe myself. Uh, you know, how was the culture? And, and most of all, how was the football experience? Well, uh, it was amazing. You know, I went over there. That was my first time actually going overseas. You know, I got my passport in 2014, thinking that I might get a, you know, CFL opportunity, but that never happened. So once I got the opportunity to play in Poland, with the Gadinia Seahawks, man, it was I was ecstatic. You know, I was I came over as a linebacker and I also coached a linebacker. You know, football, American football is a is a big sport. It's, it's growing overseas, but uh, you know they're still learning. The home players are still learning the game, so they usually only bring in about two to four imports. But you know that season we end up winning the Polish League champion, play linebacker, uh, running back and also a long snapper for the team, you know. So it was just amazing, you know, the culture, uh, the guys, the the fans loved me, you know, just especially because I'm an American, you know, and I had goals and dreams of making it to the NFL, so that's a big thing for them. But um, they loved my, uh, just my character, you know, my leadership, 
and I, I had fun out there you know the, the food that's one of the main things that stuck with me you know the money the currency over in Poland is very cheap you know yeah. so it's twenty dollars twenty American dollars can go a long way you know for maybe a month in Poland but the food I loved it you know I, I'm a fat boy so I like to eat but other, other than that it was a great time for me got got great exposure great film but I just felt like even after that I felt like I could still play with the best of the best yeah well I don't know if the currency is quite as good as it even was then <laughs> on the exchange right you know I went back in the early 2000s the currency was even better in Europe I was like double you got double your money when you went and changed it in but but exactly. things were a little expensive, especially American things. You know, like if you were gonna get a Coke, it was like two fifty, but two fifty oh, yeah, was sure. actually like a dollar twenty-five. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, I, I, I went through the same thing. Even I, I had a hard time trying to find some some good maple syrup, and that cost me more than a whole meal. So oh, I bet you had some good sausages, though. Oh uh, yes, that's their number. <laughs> <laughs> so I see you have what two hundred tackles or something over there. Uh yeah, uh, actually no, I actually had uh, ninety tackles. I had oh. ninety tackles. Two hundred was in college. No, two hundred was actually yeah in college. Yes, my two years, my last two years of Towson, I was two hundred tackles. Okay, so you're always putting up a hundred tackles, basically. <laughs> I have the tackle machine right yeah. here. No, that definitely was with playing rugby. You know, that definitely made my tackling from maybe a ninety-one percent to like maybe ninety-eight right now. Like I feel like I'm a tackling. Machine. Oh yeah, that's what I was gonna bring up next. Is now you had a uh, after that, you know, last year and I guess the year before that, you were playing international rugby, right? International rugby league in uh, Serbia yes. for the uh, what? What's the name of the team again? Red Star Belgrade and uh, Belgrade. Serbia. Yeah, and you went over to Serbia. That was that was a good time, also. So I'll just tell you the story about that. <clears throat> well, after my uh, successful stint in Poland, after winning the championship, I got the opportunity to play in the IFL with the Iowa Barnstormers. You know, I play uh, linebacker and strong safety. I played four games before I got released from the team, just due to uh, we were we were. We had a bad, um, bad record. We had to make some changes, and, you know, and it's a business. And I was one of those changes. So, you know, that's when I came back home and things felt like they were going downhill for me. I was thinking, like, what am I going to do next? You know, so I started doing my personal trainings and staying in shape. So I got a call one day from the Toronto Wolfpack. It's a new rugby league team I, at that time in 2016. They, they, they seen my stories. They seen the, my thing, what I did with the Browns, you know, standing outside the facility. They seen me on social media, so they wanted to give me a shot to earn a professional contract, you know, with the rugby league team. So that was my first time actually getting a taste of rugby, but it was overseas in Toronto. Uh, I went to three different trials, one in Toronto, one in Philadelphia, and one in Tampa. Cool. And from those three, three trials, they took me overseas to the UK for two weeks where I, out of 300 athletes, only 18 guys were chosen to go overseas to play, to play and compete. And it was an amazing time. That was another first time in, in the UK. You know, the breakfast, the food, the people's, uh, the culture was different. You know, rugby is def definitely a different culture. It's more of a, a family thing, more than I would say football, because American football is more, it's more of a cutthroat thing. You know, everybody wants to get their shine, but yeah. with rugby, it's, it's more camaraderie, more brotherhood. The social life is crazy. But it was just ultimately fun, you know. So I, I played my first year. So even though I didn't get a contract with the Toronto Wolfpack uh, uh, rugby team, they ended up sending me to play amateur 
back in the UK uh, in 2017. So I played with the Shark Cross Sharks, you know, played there for three months, really got got it in, you know, got the culture, um, understanding the game better. And, you know, in 2018, well, last year was my first year with, with the professional contract, you know, with Red Star Belgrade. So I've been progressing. I've been getting better. And even after my stint with Red Star Belgrade, I still felt like I could play with the best of the best of them in American football. So that's why I went on and did the spring league, as you saw. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, we got a couple guys going on to the spring league. I don't know if you got an invite again this year yet. I just got a couple got invited, but I mean, you already got enough tape. To me, I think the spring league's really good for tape. But if you have the tape, then you know it is. It could be a little pricey at times, you know, and not everybody can afford it. Unfortunately, it's not the only way in. As long as they got your name, you know, there's still a combine coming. I think I'm still waiting on some details on that. You're supposed to have a combine from the guys. So, you know, I think this could be a great opportunity for guys like yourself and, you know, others. I mean, there's just such a great pool of talent, you know, whether it's small school guys or lesser known guys or guys right on the fringes like yourself or Jeremiah Spicer is another one that I have uh, featured is also done arena and, and, you know, done pretty much everything he could to try to get that shot. And the guy yes. I just had it on the show, uh, Kalis Robinson. You know, he's from Alabama A&M. I just had him on. He's, you know, he, he did the arena. You know, he was about to be with the AF before they folded the AAF. And, uh, you know, so it just goes to show you. I mean, that's the type of guys I want. You know, I'm trying to push to the XFL. Guys that aren't going to give up. Guys that are going to give everything they got. Because these are initially the guys you could build the club around. Exactly, exactly, and you're uh, you're re- you're really putting us on a pedestal. You know, some guys didn't even have the opportunity to get their name spoken, but you're you're putting it out there into the world. And all the guys you put me in contact with are guys in my same position that are hungry, that have been the underdogs all their life, and just just want their shot. And I just pray that you know things come to me. And I, I just want to thank you again for just giving my giving me my exposure just to the to the uh, to the XFL fans and just the rest of the football world. You know, I'm really here to give it what I got and I'm ready. Well, I'm pushing the XFL thing because this is an XFL segment. You know, a feature on the XFL, but of course, you know, if the CFL or the NFL or whoever, you know, I know you had, uh, did you have a tryout with the Browns or were you going to have a tryout with the Browns? To put this on the air right now, I have never had a a workout with any NFL team since I've been playing football. What was that? Just a smoke screen or did they put... Uh, Well... The first time I did that in 2016, you know, Ray Farmer, he was the, the general manager back then. I gave him my film. He said he would get back with me once he looked over the film and did all that. But boom, two weeks after that, he ended up getting fired. You know, the coach staff and everybody ended up getting fired. So it was like, wow. And then with this time, it's just still like, I feel like I have a, a better resume. I played rugby. I did the spring league. I have better film. I'm stronger, faster, just like this time. I don't know what's going on, but, you know, I'm not giving up, you know. Well, I mean, thank God there's other opportunities. And, you know, if, you know, they're missing out, and then you get to go to something else. I mean, you're right there on the fringes, and that's what I tell these guys. It's going to be the guys who don't give up, the guys who keep fighting, keep working out, keep their head in the playbook, 
looking at the film all the time, you know? What are some of the players you model your game after? Uh, well, on the, on the defensive side of things, I definitely would say London Fletcher. You know, I've been looking up him, looking up to him for a while now uh, in college. Cause definitely he's a uh, Cleveland, Ohio native, and he was an underdog coming out of a D3 school, John Carroll here. And also, he was 5'9", five, 5'10", five, five, playing middle linebacker, you know, and that's what I was in college. So, I definitely reflected my game off him. And then once I got, you know, more versatile, and, and you know, my hips were getting better, I played a little safety. And, you know, I, I loved the way... Ronnie Lott, Ronnie Lott. I love the way he came downhill, and that's what uh, posted my game after. But on the running back side, I definitely, I definitely would say uh, I'm trying to get like a Ladanian Thomason, just somebody who can come out the backfield. Uh, also a great blocker, you know. Uh, I say Terrell Davis. Also, I saw him playing special teams. I don't see that many running backs that can go down and make a tackle on special teams. I feel like that's another trait that I have. You know, when you look at guys like uh, uh, a John Coon did it for a long time. Um, yeah, yeah. There was a guy I used to like back with the Eagles. He played with. He got. Oh man, I was at the game where he got injured. Uh, Leonard Weaver. Oh, we oh, what a nasty. He was so awesome. He just unfortunately had such a bad knee injury. Yeah, I remember with Leonard Weaver. Dad, that's a, that's a while ago. Yeah, just guys like that who can be versatile and play all over. Because I know I'm not going to be the number one running back. I know I might not be the number one linebacker. But, hey, I, I, I guarantee that I'll be making all tackles, making all blocks. And doing what I got to do to help the team win, you know. I, I hope people feel my energy and my passion, you know, listening to this interview because it's real, like, organic. I mean, that's the only thing. I wouldn't waste my time with anybody that wasn't passionate with what they were doing. I mean, it takes a lot of time to come home from work and write these articles and try to get people's names out and go through all the film and everything else. And, you know, if a guy's not willing to put in the time himself, there's no way I would be willing to put in this time. Never would I think I'd be interviewing anybody at this moment. But if it's going to help to get guys exposure, then it's what I got to do, you know. And it's us guys who get it done that get it done. You know, there's other people that talk about it. You know, hey, I ain't got everything yet. I know I still got a long way to go. But it's a beginning. And the best time to start is here and now. And we go get it. And that's it, man. And if you have one thing to say to... The XFL world, or anybody who owns an XFL team, GM, manager, what would you like to tell them about yourself? Why would you be a phenomenal fit for their any of their organizations? I believe that I would be a phenomenal fit for any organization out there just because I have the grit, passion, toughness, and determination. If, if, if a coach just checks out my film from rugby, from spring league, from college, from junior college, uh, from indoor football, I've been doing the same thing, the same intensity all the time, whether it's blocking, whether it's tackling, whether it's running the ball. I, I will go hard, balls to the wall, 100, 110% each play. You know, you have a guy with field problems, no felonies, interactions with the police or anything, you know. It's just a guy that's just ready to change his life and change the, the life around, change my life and the people around me also, you know. Uh, I really don't have a long speech to say, you know. I'm just ready to go right now. Like, I'm in shape right I now. I know, you don't really need one because you show it. You're out there working every day. And, and just the fact that you've done all these things is mm-hmm. just proof in itself that you're going to have the follow-through to get it done if somebody gives you the opportunity 
that you're going to exactly. be there and you're going to help other guys to reach their potential and you're not going to be all about just about yourself man and that's what it's about exactly. you know it's a team sport and i think people forget that character is a huge trait i would take a guy i would take a good player with character over a great guy that was a prima donna and yes, I, and I hope I hope teams really hear that and, and really go forward with that. That's the one I'm pushing. That's the guy. I <laughs> well, I really appreciate you coming on, man. You know, hopefully we get you on again, man. You're really well spoken, and it's you know I, I'm trying to get it going. I thought I was going to have a little bit more help, but you know I got what I got. I do have help on something, so we're just going to move forward with what we got and just build it as it goes, and you know. What a terrific story to get it started out with you and Kalo, and you know, hopefully we can start something special and have you on again in the near future. Well, let's go. I appreciate you again, once again, for the exposure and for everybody, you know, out there. Just give us both a follow on all social medias. Uh, mine is Monte Gaddis on Instagram and Twitter. Matt, you can say yours. What are yours on Instagram and Twitter? Well, they get all mine. You can check out all my stuff at Draft Diamonds. And Draft Diamonds, uh, it was it says XFL uh, guys for the inaugural season. If you uh, that they for, from Draft Diamonds, it doesn't say XFL Diamonds if you search it. But if okay. but I'll reprint it again. I'll post it up there for everybody. Once I get the podcast, Twitter, and the podcast IG going. I'll post it all up there. I mean, that's the good thing about this. It's a segment, you know. It's 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 something that people can come back and listen to, you know, time and time again. It's not a live thing, so. Yeah. But I can only edit it from where we started, unfortunately. That's all I know how to do right now. But I think we're pretty good. So I really appreciate you having, having you on, man. And you have an awesome night, brother. Thank you. You too. Take See you soon. soon. Talk to you soon. Monty Gaddis.